0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Let's get straight into it, get into the Word of God. We spend time in the presence of God. Now it's time to hear from God His truth. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you. There's no other truth but what is written in your scripture. So we ask you that as you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will reveal to your people, to me, and to to the, the listeners, to the hearers, the, the truth that is contained in what is written here. And I pray that the Holy Spirit also will help me to uh, to uh, clearly communicate and accurately communicate what is in your heart so that your people are equipped for what is to come, for what we are facing in this life. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Okay, let's open to Revelation chapter 17. We're sort of towards the end of of the book of Revelation. So let's read. I'm going to read from verse 1. I'll read the whole whole chapter. All right, let's go for it. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried away, carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of, of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed with purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abomination and and the impurity of her sexual immorality. Verse 5. And on her forehead was written the name of mystery, Babylon the great, mother of prostitute, and of earth abomination. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast Because it was, and is not, and it is to come. This call for our mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, which is number eight, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords, king of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until... The words of God are fulfilled, and the woman that you saw in the is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. That's a lot of information in there, and uh, the way I'm going to deal with this is we will not get too tangled up in the uh, in the, all the details, but I will give you the the outline how we, you know and the principle of the, and the interpretation of what it what it all means alright because uh, here's the thing the, as a whole we can see that this, this book in this book John is giving his all all that he has to communicate to the readers the mighty triumph won by God against his enemies with the emphasis on God's sovereignty so while writing as a typical prophet, yet as the known beloved apostle or beloved disciple, his personal heart and care and concern is still expressed clearly here in this book. What is clearly expressed in his writing is that while evil may appear to be strong and the faithful believers may seem helpless in the midst of this, The truth is, evil can do no more than to operate within what God permits. From this part of the book, all the way to the end, we will see clearly the inseparableness of Christ's ultimate victory and the triumph of the Church. The overall overall theme of this second half of the book, which is from chapter 12, to the end of the book can be summarized in what I call is the tale of the two cities which is the title of this sermon the tale of two cities now that is not my original idea I, um, I, I got it from somewhere some another writer another uh, yeah another writer but just to make a point I'm going to push this idea of these two cities yeah so the tale of two cities which are pictured as two women Okay, so we have two cities and pictured as two women the first woman is the church or which represents the city of God which is introduced in chapter 12 we we dealt with that a few weeks ago, and the second woman, which is what we're talking about now, is Rome, and this woman, this city, Rome, in in Revelation, it says Babylon, but it it actually was speaking about Rome, was alluded... In chapter 14, verse 8, but explicitly presented in our passage here, chapter 17. So let's go to the passage. Okay, this passage begins with the woman, the whore, or the prostitute riding on the beast and ends with her being devoured and destroyed by the beast she was riding on. Interesting story. So, as you read on the surface, this passage can be confusing because in verse 1 it's, it says about the woman sitting on many waters and then verse 3 talks about her sitting on a scarlet beast and then by the time we get to verse 9 it talks about uh, her sitting on seven mountains so you, when you read sort of uh, like that it's like you know hang on is this the same woman are you sitting on a, which one is it okay let me explain doesn't have to be that confusing. Okay, remember in uh, verse 3 it says, she's sitting on a scarlet beast. Now this scarlet beast is actually the beast that was uh, introduced in chapter 13 verse 1. Which is, in chapter 13 verse 1, it says the beast that comes from the sea. So, obviously, her sitting on the beast that is from the sea means her sitting on many waters. Simple. And also, uh, it says that the beast ha, you know, has seven heads. That's, that symbolizes the mountains. In a, in a verse, in verse uh, chapter 17, verse 9 to 10, He said this beast has seven heads that symbolizes the mountains. So, once again, speaks of the woman who sits on seven mountains. So, I'm sure that's, that's, that's clear enough for you. So. But I want, what I want to encourage you to do is to, for you all to read again this, this passage that we just read, where when you're on your own, to read again so you get the picture, okay? As, you know, and listen again to, to this sermon, because it is pretty complex. So let me explain this, how the flow of the, of the, the, the passage here. From verse 1 to verse 6, and in verse 18... Okay, verse 1 to verse 6 and verse 18 give us this description of the woman, which is the city of Rome. Okay, verse 1 to verse 6 and verse 18. That is the description of who, who she really is. The, this imagery, okay, and then we move from there to from verse 8 to 11, draws on legends concerning Nero. You know, so the, verse one to six, the description about the woman, and then from verse eight to eleven, we we will see the something that is drawn from the legend concerning Nero, who was in power in the past and was not in power at the writing at the time when the revelation was written, but was rumored to be returning in the future back to power, and possibly being bring destruction so that's verse 8 to verse 11 now verse 12 to verse 13 it is a picture of the imperial system and rulers of allied nations you talk about many kings many you know all that in verse 12 to verse 13 so it it is the imperial system rulers of allied nations and if you read in the whole passage, they pretty much are driven because they form the beast, right? The whole system. Driven by the woman, remember? She's riding on the beast. So all these people are driven by the woman to make war against the Lamb of God, which is verse 14. It says, They will make war on the lamb of on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful okay in other words what John is saying is the war is against them and and against the church but really when you think about it in in the context of of their existence at a time the war was really against the church however that's what I said before. You cannot separate the church from Jesus, and that reminds me of the uh, the situation on the on the road to Damascus when Paul was persecuting the church in Acts chapter twenty-two, where in verse seven Jesus Jesus uh, talked to Paul, confronted Paul, and obviously knocked him off his horse. Boom, boom, um, and uh, he. Jesus said to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, you're persecuting the church, you're persecuting with me. As if to say, so the, the comfort is this. People who fight against the church, they mess with Jesus himself. Interesting. So, so they wage war against, against Jesus as if Jesus is saying, you do this to, the, to my church, I take it personally. And listen to this. And in verse 16, how the lamb defeats them. It says the lamb conquered over them, okay? And verse 16, let me read it. And the ten horns that you saw, there the beast will hate the prostitute. Okay, I'm going to read this, how he conquered them, all right? The ten, verse 16, the ten horns, the ten kings in verse 12 that you saw they and the beast will hate the prostitute they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh burn her up with fire for god has put into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of god are fulfilled so here's the point, like I said before previously, about what John is presenting, the way God triumph triumph over against his enemy, is that he does it within the context of his sovereignty. He is sovereign and all powerful. So he doesn't need to come down to the level and do a hand-to-hand combat. He, does, he doesn't do it like that. Do you know what he does? Like it says in the Verse 17, God has put into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So guess what what God was doing? He just let them self-destruct. Like they destroy themselves. Self-implode. Scary. Now let's talk about the other woman, like I said in Revelation, uh, in Revelation, the story is about two women, right? It is interesting that in verse three of chapter seventeen here, when uh, the angel wanted to show uh, John about the woman, the, this prostitute, it says, John says, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Now that reminds me of the story of the first woman who represents the city of God. When she gave birth to a male child, she was chased by the dragon and she was taken into the wilderness also. So my uh, my opinion is this. So the scene that we see about this prostitute is the antithesis of the, the godly woman who represents the church who is the mother of a male child who after giving birth also fled into the wilderness a place prepared by God where she might be taken care for four and a half months in uh, verse, uh, chapter 12 verse 6 that's where it says now Let's see these two women. The prostitute rode on the scarlet beast, which is a replica of the dragon, because it's a scarlet dragon, red dragon, with seven heads. Also, so the beast is the replica or uh, the exact image of the of Satan himself. So, while the prostitute rode on scarlet beast, in contrast, the mother of the Male child, the other woman was taken and rescued by God. Rescued by God, and flying by the grace of God's eagle's wings. Beautiful, she was riding on the beast. The, the, the church is being taken by God on eagle's wings, like far above the storm, far above the above the sky and, and storms. The prostitute indulged herself with in the blood of the martyrs while once again by contrast the good woman the mother was nourished by God and taken care by God eating food from heaven I believe it's like the picture of Israel eating food from heaven manna both women represent cities obviously like I said before one is Rome the one that represents Rome where false worship was practiced, and yet the good woman represents Zion, where there's true worship happening in that city. Zion eventually becomes, if you read further down, eventually becomes what is called the New Jerusalem. Okay, now here's the, here's the point. The tables, have t- the tables are turned. Okay? Now, by the time we read after uh, chapter 17, we read uh, chapter 18, verse 1 and 2, we see the reiterating of what was already pronounced in chapter 14, verse 8, which is the fall of Babylon. It's like, it's almost like the fulfillment of it. So at the start of the battle, it was the faithful, you know, the battle of, of this whole thing, is that at the beginning of the battle, it was the faithful who could not buy or sell unless they worshipped the beast. Remember in chapter 13? Unless they worship the beast and received the mark of the beast on their foreheads or their arms. This time, it is those who committed immorality with the prostitute, with the city, the client kings whose rule depended on Rome, and the merchants whose prosperity likewise depended on, on, on Rome, on, on, on this woman, who suffer big loss by contrast, the dwellers of heaven rejoice. You can read all this in chapter 18. Like, so the t- tables have turned, like It's crazy and uh, I just want to mention this over and over t- in, in, throughout this this uh, this from chapter 12 chapter 13 up to this point and few chapters later that keeps coming coming up is the mark of the beast the mark of the beast the beast like I said this thing was written for the people at that time. They understood exactly what it is—the mark of the beast—and many of the the uh, the, the wording in, in in the book of Revelation are symbolic, just like the 144,000 is symbolic of the multitude and everything else. Now, then, when it comes to the mark of the beast, we have to take it also as symbolic. It's not something being written 666 in my forearm. Just like in chapter 7 when God said, I have marked my people in their forehead. Now, God is not saying literally, just as he, that's when he was speaking about the 144,000 symbolically, about the multitude, he, he was referring to them as people who are marked by him with his name on their forehead. Now, that's speaking symbolically, so we can't take 666 as literally, it's the name of Nero, and literally being written on our forehead. It's, It's symbolic. Now, I'll give you a good example, a good principle here. Children of Israel, they were marked as God's people by circumcision. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we are the new Israel, also are marked by God by circumcision, not physical, but circumcision of the heart, which is the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit that creates a new born again Christian, the cutting of the flesh. So it's not physical, but it is a spiritual transaction that happens. So when we are marked by God, it is a spiritual thing, the same thing what happened with this in this situation, people who are marked by the beast, it's it's all about the worship, giving worship to to, uh, to the to the em- emperor within that cult of emperor worship, okay so I think that's clear so the table has turned or the tables are turned and the uh, Now here's the thing, according to history, the population of the city of Rome, the harlot, decreased from as much as a million in John's day to some 30,000 after its fall a few centuries later. In other words, the city just collapsed and resulting in a depopulation. But as for the other city, the city of God, as presented by the good woman, the church, history talks about the increase of the church from from that point until today. The church just kept growing and growing and growing. So this is the story of the two cities. Now... In conclusion, I want to I say this, it is very important, okay, the world system continues to seduce humanity, just like that woman seduced all the kings, all the, the people at that time, the world system still continues to seduce humanity with the prostitute and the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adultery. That's how the Bible describes it. It is this kind of seduction that the church, that we read in chapter 2 verse 20 to 23, the church of Thyatira was in danger of indulging in and it was born for. My point is this it doesn't matter how the world might appear the truth is the world is shaky like one of the one of the writers of the Bible the the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 verse uh, 26 and 27 this this writer says Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. For this purpose, of, uh, as sorry, verse 27. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, the created things. In order that, so that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So, going back to the time of the writing of, of the book of Revelation, the, with the destruction of the city of Rome, and uh, it is interesting in the following chapter in verse 4 in predicting the complete destruction where where the the, the beast and the and and the and the, the the kings of the earth will hate the woman and will devour her means yeah they will they self implode and the warning for God's people in at that time, in chapter 18, verse 4, where it says, then I heard, John said, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. That's it. It's like, do not participate. And that's what happened uh, the, there was uh, the, the church like I mentioned before the church of that time was in danger of participating and taking part in in the rituals and the trading practice that required compromise with the uh, emperor worship so I believe what is relevant for us now is that we need to know that the world will always be the world Like I said before, we've said it many times, it's not the chaos in the world that's going to destroy us or be the undoing of the church. It's what we tolerate within. So the coming out of the world is not for us to be raptured out of the world. We can talk about it another time. Raptured out of the world. No, no, no. For us to stay, to, to not touch, to be separated for God. Not so much separated from the world, but from the world and for God. So... That's what I, what I believe The, uh, the John is, is trying to warn us. Yes, it's going to be tough, just like it's written there. But the table, tables will turn. Just one last scripture. This is what Paul said. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Through worship is us presenting ourselves, holy and blameless before God. And then he said, do not be conformed to this world. So once again, the world wants to squeeze us into its mold. But he said the way to combat that is by us being transformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind okay so by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good acceptable and perfect so i believe what what uh, what the bible is saying is for us god's people to just be vigilant and be diligent be the truth of the word of God and stay on course and do not be seduced by what's going on in the world the world do whatever they will do but it will all crumble let's pray Father in Jesus name we thank you Lord for what is written in this book yes the time is tough and it looks like we, uh, we look helpless and there are things that are confusing uh, and, and, and discouraging for, for your people, but Lord, we stay with your truth and we thank you, Lord, that it is not what's going on out there, but we want to make sure that we will not tolerate what you do, what you do not tolerate. Keep your people, Father. Because the victory is yours, and your victory is our victory, just as we read just before. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. Amen.